0: This Sunday, as we continue in our series on the Ten Commandments, we are on a new commandment, which is the Fifth Commandment. And as we move into this commandment, uh, let me do what we've been doing over the course of time and quickly go over the rhymes that are mnemonic devices, helping us to remember what the commandments are. What does one rhyme with? Run. Run. And the first commandment, you think of someone running ahead of you. And so you know that the first commandment is... Right. Thou shalt have... Well, let's say it, everyone. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Great. What rhymes with two? Zoo. And in the zoo, there are many animals. People frequently make images in the form of animals. And therefore, the second commandment is, Thou shalt not make any graven images. Thou shalt not bow down to them or worship them. Excellent. Three is, rhymes with, I should say, tree. And you picture the tree. you may not like these, but they may help us remember them. You picture a tree falling on your foot and you say, Ouch. And that reminds you that we are not to according to the third commandment. What is the third commandment? Correct. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The fourth commandment four rhymes with door. Go ahead. You can say it out loud. We're we're listening. And that reminds us, what is the fourth commandment? You think of a church door, right? What is the fourth commandment? Right. I shall honor the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. I shall remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, what is the rest of that command? <laughs> There's a lot more to that one, isn't there? It goes on and it goes on, as it as it did in the sermons as well. Five rhymes with hive. <clears throat> and you picture, with regard to a hive, <coughs> your parents said, "Don't go near that hive, or you get stung." <clears throat> five rhymes with what? Great. And so you remember through the fifth commandment what is our passage for today, Exodus 20 verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Let us pray. Dear Father, as we come together to your word this morning, We recognize, each one of us, that we are submitting to You, submitting to the teaching of Your Word and to the excellence of Your holiness. We ask that as we come before Your Word this morning, that You would give us wisdom and grace in studying Your Word, that You would work in each one of our hearts through the power of Your Holy Spirit to work holiness within us, that we would go forward from here with wisdom and, and understanding and with the intention and motivation to walk in this holiness to put into practice what we have learned from your word this morning we ask you to touch each one of our hearts with that part of the message from your word which you desire to affect our lives today and I ask Lord that my words might be faithful and in keeping with your word because it is your word that partakes of your nature and is holy. In your word alone that is holy. In Jesus' name, amen. The fifth commandment is like the others, much deeper and more inclusive. and includes many more things than a quick and a simple glimpse at it would show it to be. By saying that, I'm not in any way undercutting this commandment. I'm not saying you have to look deeper in order to find the real meaning, because that is frequently what people do when they want to pull out the foundation and have you look at something that really is not there. What I'm doing is reminding all of us that we need to look to begin to see all that is meant by this commandment, because this commandment is like all of the rest, encapsulated in one word in Hebrew in order to convey many things to us. We should not conclude, for instance, well, my parents both died some years back, so I have no responsibility in this area. This commandment represents and commands much more than we simply honor our parents. So I begin this week by having us, and the sermon title is incorrect, Um, we're looking at something else. That's what happens when you plan three weeks in advance. By having us examine the basic principle of this commandment, which is authority. That is the foundation of this commandment, authority. On the one hand, there is authority, which is what parents are to their children. And that that authority is to be exercised judiciously, lovingly, and wisely. On the other hand, we have children... In their reaction and response to the authority of those that the Lord has placed over them, as in their parents. <clears throat> as you consider our culture, you realize that there are many issues continuing even up to the present and in years past, which surround authority on the national scene. And as we look at these issues, we realize that so many of them have an effect upon our nation's view for and regard for authority. Whatever your position now or then regarding the war in Vietnam, we have all witnessed and continue to witness in a small degree the results of our national pastime in the '60s, latter 60s and early 70s of questioning authority as it was played out in our nation. simply because President Clinton was one of those who protested war involvement in Vietnam, he has had to deal with questions of credibility now that he is the one who is in the position to make those decisions, now that he is the one who would be an authority in cases such as that, rather than just one of the many under authority. Many of the issues of our day and of recent days are seeking, or people would use them, to seek to undermine authority and our view for authority. Many of them actually do that. Scandals, for instance, in Congress, such as those surrounding Bob Packwood and others. The spectacle of the O.J. Simpson trial. What does authority and justice have to do? Will right triumph? The nomination hearings of Clarence Thomas for Supreme Court justice when charges of harassment were brought against him. Police brutality cases <clears throat> and many more incidents, just like these, that have occurred, and paraded through the nation and through the world for everyone to see. I know I've mentioned it before. It's one of those things that sticks in my mind. <clears throat> A token of the Vietnam War protests was the slogan "Question Authority," which certainly meant, meant much more than the mild suggestion. <clears throat> that you might take it to mean innocuously, harmlessly. It meant more than just that we should examine the principles and the orders of those in authority to see if they are just. It came to mean purely that we should not question authority, but question as a starting point, rebel as an ending point against authority. But the problem with that slogan in practice, the practice of disregarding and rebelling against authority is that it ultimately bites the hand that feeds it. When those who have made a practice of rebelling against authority grow older, and all of a sudden, they find themselves to be parents rather than children. That happens over the course of time. They are then bosses. They have become supervisors They have become teachers of others, elected officials, policemen, and judges. And then, since they are the one, the the, she was on the other foot at that point in time, they desire loyalty, honor, respect, and obedience from the common people who are under their authority. Unfortunately, distrust and scorn for authority breeds more of the same. And the result is a vicious cycle which is impossible to be broken without God's intervention. Honoring our parents, those in authority. You take parents for to include much more than just people who gave birth to us. Honoring our parents, those in authority, is a crucial command. It's not just crucial for the family. It is also crucial for the nation. Because when you have children who are taught and learn well, the discipline of obedience and honor for parents... You not only have a smoothly functioning family, you will further down the road have productive citizens, students who don't cheat because they honor their teachers, employees who won't steal, citizens who obey the laws and don't have a deep cynicism for their country, believers in Christ who uphold and respect the leadership of the church. And beyond that, as these children have learned well the lessons of honoring their parents as they grow older still, the result would be if authority has been taught and learned well, as these people then become those who are in authority, that the nation will have elected leaders who behave honorably in elected positions because they know integrity is a must to keeping the trust in honor of the people, company presidents and managers who respect those who work under them, because they remember what it was like to be underlings themselves and have gained their positions honestly in upright ways. Teachers and professors who are willing to believe the best of their students give them challenges and devote their lives to those students because their belief in education has not been corrupted by their own abuse and scorn for the very system that feeds them. Adult children who do not cast their parents upon the care of the state and abandon them to nursing homes. Pastors and Sunday school teachers who behave honorably because they know what is expected and required of them. Authority, following authority, obedience to authority, honoring authority is something that affects everything from the basic unit, which is the family, to the nation, to the world as a whole. What do we know about authority? We know first that all authority proceeds from God. Romans 13 verses 1 and 2 tell us this. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. <clears throat> As we recognize that all authority proceeds from God, we realize that there are certain uh, subpoints or elements in this fact that all authority proceeds from God. We need to recognize that God is the one who established the order of authority. In other words, who has authority, who must obey in certain circumstances. He made husbands the head of their wives. He made children answerable to parents. He set up the order in such a way that there would be kings or queens, prophets, governors, councils, apostles, deacons, pastors, teachers, and others who have leadership in specific situations over specific people. We not only see that he established the order, from top down but we also see that he appoints those who are in authority in other words he is the one who is controlling who gets in now as as I was thinking about this whole issue and thinking about our responsibility to our elected leaders we we have a situation in the United States which is very difficult to understand at times with regard to authority when you have a king, there's no question about it. You have no choice as to who will be king. The king is the king, is the king. And there are situations in the Old Testament in the books of first and second Kings and First and Second Chronicles which speak specifically about people who rebelled against authority and went out and murdered the king, for instance, in order to become king. That is a rare and infrequent thing. We in the United States are in a situation where what is the expression the expression a government of the people by the people for the people so in a sense we are (laughs) we are our own masters we are in authority over ourselves because we appoint those we elect those people who are in authority and it can frequently become very confusing and I've become confused as I've looked at this but it is crucial for us to recognize that as much as we cast the ballot, it is nevertheless God who is the one who is appointing those in authority. He is not only the one who is appointing those in authority, he is also the one who is deposing those in authority. In other words, he sets up and he knocks down. <clears throat> in John 19.11, Jesus revealed this to Pilate and saying... In the, in the courtroom scene where Pilate was questioning him about truth and about his guilt or innocence and his crimes, whatever he had done. Pilate said, do you not know that I have the power to kill you or to set you free? Jesus said this to him, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. God appoints and removes those who are in authority. This does not mean that he approves of everyone in authority, the way that they use their authority. It just means he approves of their having that position. It does not mean that they are a godly person in that position. It does not mean that they're getting there, or any of these circumstances surrounding it are righteous. It just means God knows and said and determined, yes, this person, for this situation, position of authority, at this time. <clears throat> and he does this according to his own lights. In other words, it's his decision, it's not ours. An example of this is given in David's refusing to kill King Saul. There were two occasions when David was in a cave, and King Saul came into the cave. Without knowing... At this point in time, King Saul was chasing David in order to capture him and kill him because he was so jealous of him. On both of those occasions, David's men said to him, Hey, you have your chance. Knock him off. Kill him, and your life will be free. David said, I will not so much as touch him because God is the one who set him up as king. Further, God affirms authority. We see this right here in this commandment, don't we? In the fifth commandment. What does God say? Does God say, authority? Ah, forget it. No. God is saying in this commandment, Children, honor your parents. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. He is affirming authority. He is not only affirming it, he is saying, I will reward obedience to authority and respect and honor for authority. In this Romans 13 verses 1 and 2 passage, it it makes it very explicit. Let me read it again. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. We see not only that God affirms authority in his commands throughout Scripture time and time again, but we also see that he has affirmed authority in the way in which Jesus Christ lived. Now, <clears throat> there's one thing that happens when we go to Cape May, and this year was a little bit uh, of a quieter year than usual you always want the whole family to be there but sometimes when fewer of them are there it's a little bit more peaceful because I guess we had about 14 people there and if everyone had been there it would have been 20 some whatever my immediate family <coughs> but one of the things that happened while we were there <coughs> was that uh, a couple who are friends of David's and Cheryl's <coughs> arrived and uh, They had four kids, and they were all under the age uh, uh, seven or under. So we had four boys added to our lot of, whatever, three, five kids running around. David and Francis, you can't count as running around, because they're not doing that quite yet. But all of a sudden, different aspects were added to the equation. These kids were wild. (laughs) And there's plenty of room to be wild in k May. But if you're running the property from someone else and you're concerned about the fact that you have a security deposit on the line, you sort of take an interest in (laughs) pay. And so as we think of the example of Christ, we realize that God not only affirmed authority in the commands that he gave in his scripture, but you know that as Christ grew up, he was an obedient son. We have... A few very small examples of that in Scripture. The one where Jesus remained at the temple. And he made a comment to his mother when they went away without him and they came back in order to get him. But nevertheless, he was obedient to his parents. It was not a disrespectful comment. And so God shows us the example of affirming authority by the example of Christ. Not only did Christ obeying his father, his earthly father and mother, Mary and Joseph, but he constantly testified that he had come to do his heavenly father's will. In other words, he was demonstrating submission and honor in all that he did. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Again, another example of affirming authority by the example of what Christ was doing and saying. And we see further his submission to the civic authorities of his day, in that he submitted to the judgment of Pilate, which was his crucifixion. Let's move on from these examples of authority, seeing that all authority proceeds from God, more down to a practical level. Obedience to earthly authority must follow obedience to heavenly authority. you and I must recognize the divinely appointed order of authority and we must follow it in other words you and I must respect the office anybody that God has placed over author- in authority over us in whatever position we are in we must recognize that God has set up that order and we need to honor it we must also honor those individuals God has placed in authority over us We frequently get caught in this little trap which says, Honor the office, but not the person, if the person is not honorable. We need to honor the person as well. It does not mean that we honor what they do or what they say. It does not mean that we are affirming or approving those things that they do that are unrighteous or unjust. But we need to honor the person as well and not to strip the person from the office and try to make a dichotomy there which doesn't exist. And we must honor the authority of those who are over us, not just the office and the person, but also those commands that come from that individual to us as individuals. What does this mean in terms of our honoring authority? Well, perhaps I should have started with this first, but I think as you're following, I saved it to this point. A father, honor your father and mother. The word of there, which should be and is translated father, refers to a broad spectrum. It means much more than our genetic parents in scripture. This word is frequently used to refer to those having authority over others in scripture. We read in the account of Joseph and his brothers in Egypt, that Joseph said to his brothers when he had revealed himself to them, I have become the father of Pharaoh. Well, regarding his becoming the father of Pharaoh, we know that's impossible. So that's in just one example that I would bring up for you to look at. He said, I have become in charge of his whole estate. I'm in charge of the whole land. I'm in charge of the laws. I'm in charge of everything. This word refers to any, then, who have authority over us because of age or experience, because of selection, appointment, or election, or by any other means, whether in our families, the church, state, education, business, or elsewhere. And so let us look this week, very shortly, at authority outside the home, and in the next two weeks, look at authority inside the home, as this passage specifically is speaking of authority inside the home. This week, let us look at authority outside the home and find what we must do to honor authority in these places. (coughs) Authority outside the home, you could divide it, classify it loosely into four categories. Thomas Watson has divided it into these categories in his message and book on the Ten Commandments (coughs) and published in the 17th century. His first classification is civil fathers. People like judges, presidents, governors, town fathers, policemen, or policewomen. Second classification is work fathers. And again, this word fathers used to denote or to speak of those who are in authority in these situations. People who hold authority over us in our work, foremen, office managers, Company presidents, boards, principals, supervisors, extend it further, include teachers. Third, aged fathers, people who hold authority over us by virtue of the fact that they are older than we are. And fourth, spiritual fathers, people who hold authority over us through God's call. Pastors, elders, ministers, Sunday school teachers, deacons, deaconesses. What responsibilities do we have to these people outside of our home? First, we have the responsibility to obey them. Scripture tells us this of spiritual leaders. The people, when we are people, when we are under the authority of spiritual leaders, what we are told is to obey them so that their work is not a burden, but a joy. It's not just important that we obey people who are in authority over us. It's important how we do it. We are to do it, and you understand how this comes back into the home. When parents tell their children to obey them, they will frequently tell them, I expect it to be done cheerfully, with a good attitude. The same is true of us when we are under those in authority. Our obedience is not to be grudging. It is to be instead with cheerful and glad hearts, First <clears throat> Peter two eighteen, we are told that we are even to obey harsh leaders or harsh masters. It says, "Servants, be subject to your masters, not only to the good and gentle, but also to those who are harsh." Now, that's a difficult word for us. We think of ourselves in the workplace or in school. Frequently we get into thinking about our situations and thinking about those in authority over us, and we can come up with a myriad of reasons as to why we do not need to obey those in authority. I would make a better boss than he or she is. I know more about that. He or she doesn't understand. He or she is not fair. Go down the list. There are countless, innumerable reasons as to why we can convince ourselves we do, we do not need to obey, or if we are going to obey, that we do not need to do it with a good attitude. What we need to do is cut all this away and see that in Scripture God tells us obedience with cheerful attitudes. That is what He wants of us, His people. <clears throat> to our civic fathers, to our leaders at work and school, to those who are over us as a result of their age, to those who are over us in the church. What else do we see that we need to do in order to honor our spiritual leaders? We need to uphold their honor, their interests, and their reputation. We need to uphold their honor, their interests, and their reputation. What that means is that you and I on a basic level, need to believe the best of them. Scripture tells us this with regard to leaders. People are not to entertain an accusation against them unless it is a serious one brought by several witnesses. What that means is that we, as people, should be honoring those who are in authority over us. When others speak poorly of them, We should speak up for them. We should not speak against them. If you're a boss or a manager or a supervisor, how does it, or a teacher, how do you feel when you learn that someone who is indirectly or directly underneath you has been saying certain things about you in your position? It's a difficult situation, isn't it? You and I, as God's people, in honoring authority, need to uphold the honor, the interest, and the reputation of those who are in authority over us, not to speak poorly about them, to avoid that at all costs. And others around us will be constantly seeking to draw us into situations where they are encouraging us to speak poorly of them, to think poorly of them, to believe all kinds of things which, when you get right down to it, frequently may not be true. What else, is respon- what else is our responsibility in order to honor our leaders and those in authority? You and I need to be great stewards. There are many examples in Scripture where Christ spoke parables, and you think specifically of the ones where he talked about the king setting out on a journey and giving money to his servants and telling them, watch over this until I return. <clears throat> We need to be great stewards of anything that has been entrusted to us by our leaders, those in authority. We need to make sure that we do not steal from them. What does this mean on a practical level? It means that if we have an expense account, that we treat the expenses we make on that expense account as though the money being spent were my money, not their money, my money. We need to treat the business of those... (coughs) who are in authority over us, as though it were our own. To be as protective of the assets, of the reputation, of the material, of all of the things involved in that business, as though I have an integral part and interest in it. When we were in Cape May, there was an interesting article about the local area. We went into the coffee shop, and there was an Irish young man behind the counter. <clears throat> I guess I'm at the age now where I can speak of college students as young men. <laughs> no, I'm not sure, but anyhow, there was an Irishman behind the counter. And <clears throat> we looked at this article, and chanced chance to read it, <clears throat> it said that there were 6,000 Irish students who had come to, I believe it was New Jersey, for the summer. About 1,500 of them were in Cape May working. And the article got into some of the little finer points of how this whole thing worked out and the impact. Apparently, some of the local students were a little bit resentful about this. And the article didn't go in very much in depth about it, but it gave you a little bit of the flavor of the fact that the local employers were finding these students to be more reliable more beneficial to their interests, better employees than the locals had been in years past. We have a situation in our country where people have difficulty hiring good employees. One of the reasons is because people do not regard it as important that they are good stewards of those things that are entrusted in their care. As God's people, you and I must be. And finally, we need to pray for those in authority over us. We need to pray for them for wisdom. We need to pray for them that they will be just. We need to pray for righteousness for them. How are we to rectify situations where those in authority over us are being unjust or unrighteous or unfair? You can certainly speak about it to them, not to others. One means that should be first and foremost in our arsenal is prayer. You and I need to consider these things well because they have an impact on everyday events in every aspect of our lives. God requires us as his people not to be Christians who claim to follow God's law and God's authority but ignore it in every situation where we are under authority, but instead because we claim to follow God's authority, we obey and honor those who are above us. Let's pray. Dear Father, give us wisdom in these circumstances. Make us wise and godly followers in whatever situations we have bosses or leaders or authorities over us. We pray today for our government leaders that you would bless them, that you would give us a respect for them, that you would forgive us for failing to respect them. We pray today for those who are our teachers or professors, that you would bless them, give them wisdom, give them a concern and desire to bring blessing into the lives of their students. May they know our honor and our respect. We pray today for supervisors, presidents, other leaders in business, that you would bless their oversight and that you would make us as your people the best employees in the world. We pray today for the leaders in the church that you would cause them to flourish and be able to rejoice in seeing that your people are obedient to your word as it comes from them and follow their example. And we pray today your blessing upon those who are in authority over us as a result of their age in advance of ours. We ask you to bless them. We thank you for giving them to us. In all these things, we desire you to be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.